Kids! Kids! I... Kids! I am pregnant for you! We're gonna go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And um, yeah, well, welcome back after spooky season and after our detours. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, this is an anthology um, show. Uh, we do watch the Twilight Zone in order. Uh, we've covered the original series, uh, the 60 series, which that will tie into our conversation tonight a little bit. And then we're now um, covered the Paramount Plus two seasons. So I guess we covered that's in order when it came out. Anyway, and now we're in the 80s. We're in the second half of the first season of the 80s Twilight Zone. So thank you for everybody that um, you know is still, still with us. I know we took a, a, quite a break, but it was like nine months that it took us to get through the first half of the season, segment by segment, if I recall. It was a, it was a while. Yeah, it's definitely been a, a journey. Uh, and it, we needed that little bit of break. It didn't seem appropriate to bring in a Christmas episode uh, during the spooky season because I don't know about everybody else that listens to this podcast. I need a little bit of spooky stuff. I need a little bit of it. And, you know, we kept it kind of on brand. Uh, the, the the avenues that we went down were still kind of close to what we do typically. I mean, especially with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Dead of Night and everything like that. Yeah, we had a lot of, we like, somehow we ended up starting to, like, circle more and more 70s things, which... I'm okay with, you know, like, uh, the, the I mean, after devil's know. rain, why not? Right. Sure. Right. Um, you know, uh, you got the, you got the, the devil Borg nine there, but uh, I think, um, what I was excited about was like the, like, since, you know, I had never seen the seventies version of the body snatchers. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Kolchak, um, the night stalker was uh, a bit of revelation for a TV movie. And the dead of night was a thing that we watched that that was the last thing we watched. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was one and a half segments that were pretty good out of three. Like, so you guys can figure out which of those ones I'm talking about. So, um, and we also, you know, we covered asylum that a uh, weird amicus film that, uh, had little robot guys that had g- organs in them and everything. It, it was, some, and, it was and, some weird detours and rolling body parts. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. So, but now we are firmly back into the twilight zone. Um, this is, uh, it is uh, season one, episode 13, segment a, Night of the Meek, uh, air date December 20th, 1985. Number one song, Broken Wings by Mr. Mister. That's a good song. Uh, number yeah, I one. Still f- listen to it. It's a good one. Hey, it's a good song, yeah. Uh, uh, I like that the name of the band's Mr. as an MR period and then Mr. M I S T E R. What was the um, what was the Dairy Queen treat? Was it a Mr. A Mr. Mister? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like it was like a like a lime freeze or whatever it was. Like a, it was almost like um, a snow cone. 
I I have no idea because okay. that doesn't even sound like something that I would have ate. Okay. Either. Yeah, because <laughs> so. I mean, I want ice cream from Dairy Queen, not whatever that yeah. is. Yeah. Um, uh, what is that Italian ice? Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is that? Yeah, I don't want that garbage near me. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, it was almost like a push pop type of, like, if I remember right. You know, what I'm talking about like, like the a kind Flintstones of Flintstones push pop. Yeah, or? but it was more like slushy kind of thing as oh. opposed to ice cream. Um, yeah, I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why they don't sell them anymore. I don't know. Number one film, uh, the historical um, documentary uh, Rocky Four. Um, so we now, we, we know Rocky that, versus the Russians. Yeah. yeah he, and how he solved single handedly. Yeah. He, he, he solved, um, you know, uh, <laughs> communism. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah. Just, uh, if, if, if he can change and they can change, then we can all change or whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, so for day and date, uh, for December 16th, uh, New York city, this is very Christmassy. So everybody heads up mafia bosses, Paul Castellano and Thomas Bellotti are shot dead in front of spark steakhouse making hit organizer John Gotti the leader of the powerful Gambino crime family. Merry Christmas. Yeah, yeah, I, that was the one thing I had uh, <laughs> to bring to the table, too. I was like, well, that's horrific and kind of on brand again with our historical events that we bring up. Yeah, so, so what I what I did here, and I, this is like, so um, I by kind of looking at this episode we're getting into, it, 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 like episode 13, uh, as it stands, is going to be three segments, and it's actually all Christmas related or holiday related, which I was surprised by. Um, so that because the Twilight Zone, there's only been one other Christmas episode in the original series, and that was Night of the Meek. And we'll talk more about the original one here in a little bit because um, I have a little bit of information about the origin of that story. Um, but I wasn't expecting like three holiday segments. But whatever. So that so the next three weeks, Terry, is Christmas in November. So tuck in. Um, but what I ended up looking up, I found a JC Penny catalog from '85, and I've been kind of looking at it over the week. And some of the, the the things in here are kind of amazing. So I think over the next three weeks, I'm going to share items that I had found in here and some of the price points. Uh, so do you remember the mini pool tables, like the little mini ones that you'd get that, like you know, had like the pool cues that are maybe like a foot and a half long. And like the, the pool balls were like, like smaller than like a ping pong ball. Do you know those type of tables? I never had one. Um, my buddy or no, my cousin, my cousin had one, but it was like the really, really tiny ones. Like one that you can put like on your desk. Oh, so it's like, okay. it's, it's like these chotch ones that like, uh, people in, uh, company executives have like a little golf set on top of their yeah. desk. So that's about it. It wasn't like something that we could actually play and have fun with. Well, this one you, you could get. It's a uh, woven nylon um, and acetate cloth, automatic ball return, plastic cushions and pockets, steel eggs, wood composition side rails. I like wood composition as opposed to, you know, wood. It's just pressed. You know, it's like that press board or whatever fiber board. Um, one inch plastic balls, two inch plastic cue, two 30 inch plastic cues, triangle and cue chalk. 45 by 22 by 30 ages eight to an adult. You can get it for 39 99 through the JC Penny catalog in 85. That's, that's pretty rad, man. Right? That sounds pretty sweet. Yeah. I, I, um, I would have probably have asked for that for Christmas. I remember getting the JC Penny catalogs when I was like right? really young and in circle all the stuff I wanted and then feel extremely disappointed when I know I wasn't going to get them. You're, well, cause you're one of those kids like living in the city near the Dundee's. 
that you weren't getting a Christmas. <laughs> no, I was, I was, a, I, I was a kid living in the subs, getting free lunch at school. So like, yeah, I mean, of course, yeah, that's yeah, that'd be yeah, free lunch, right? Yeah. So the next thing I want to mention here, there was also an ad for um, a uh, Coleco mini size two player jet action air hockey. It's the same size, but air hockey for uh, it is uh, sixty dollars because it's air hockey. But below that. And I think I'm, I'm going to clip this, these images. I'm going to clip it. And first I'm going to describe it to you. And then I'm going to send you the images. Oh, um, please. <laughs> yeah. So to you, cause some of these, I think I might actually put on um, the, the Facebook cause it's so much fun, but yeah, I think the next couple episodes, I'm going to find uh, things here to, um, to talk about. Cause I think it's fun cause it's Christmas, right? And it was 85. Mm-hmm. I was seven. Some of the stuff, you know, maybe not this. But, uh, yeah. So do you remember these? Like maybe yeah. you describe people what these are and then I can, I can get into some of the actual JC Penny catalog descriptions and prices. Uh, from what the picture you sh- uh, just sent me, it is like either plastic or fiberglass, like horses and they're on springs and you bounce on them. Yeah. Remember that was a thing. And then, you know, if, if you bounce on too much and the springs would extend, you get your legs pinched. That was always I, fun. Right. I know. Yeah. I'm just like, thinking about that right now i'm like i love the fact that these exposed springs are on there i'm like that's just asking for a, a tiny finger to get cut off <laughs> i <laughs> like the background though like, so so terry i know you're a motorcycle owner how do you feel about number five spring action motocross cycle uh, it's the yamaha spring and sound action motorcycle um, that's the probably the one i should get it i should trade my bike in for right now <laughs> so <laughs> put much time into my bike and at least i could feel like i'm badass so with this one no i gotta describe it. twist hand grip for two different motor speed sounds press button for horn sound on and off switch uses one nine volt battery there you go that's that's some fuel economy there um not included <laughs> you could order that on four uh, page 441 <laughs> You can order a battery separate. Um, welded steel tubing, adjustable frame, uh, unassembled uh, screwdriver required, instructions included, ages two to five. 70 bucks, right? You know what's I, I work at a motorcycle like uh, supply shop. Like you, you could buy accessories in that. We sell something that's very similar in size that you can get up to like 12 miles an hour on. It's an actually free form, like freestanding uh, mm. motorcycle, Electra, electric bike. I'm like, so we traded in something that was probably dangerous at the time for something that's extremely dangerous. It's dangerous, now. but it was stationary dangerous versus yeah. like, you know, going out in traffic dangerous. So the last one I'll mention here is uh number six uh, it is called clip clop, the wonder horse. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says makes horse. And they put that in uh, quotes sounds makes horse sounds <laughs> according <laughs> to what it's doing. Fast, slow gallop. A witty, even a snort before stopping. Plastic body, three-position tubular steel frame. It adjusts 20, 29 to 33 inches at high. Um, steel spring suspension uses one 9-volt battery, not included. You can also order that again. Unassembled, screwdriver and pliers required. Ages 2 to about 6. Um, $79.99. So there we go. Um, if everybody's curious, uh, um, I do have Clip Clop the Wonder Horse on um, my Amazon wish list. Please do not get me. Clip clop the wonder horse. Um, you could get me the bike. I'll go with it. <laughs> as long as it goes up to 240 pounds, I think I can make it work. <laughs> Let me see what it says here. Um, what was it? Uh, uh, was it if you can 24 five, pounds? It says 24 pounds, but I, t- I think you could do it. I think you could make it work. <laughs> 
Yeah, mm. I, I, I'm about the weight of nine of those children on top of that. Uh, thing. Sounds I, like you need a few the, of them. So everybody, are going to bottom out. No, get, get, them, get them a fleet. Everybody, get them a lot of them. You know, and then go to like, um, was it? Uh, Oh, Freight Harbor and get some industrial springs or whatever, or Harbor Freight, right? Go to, go yeah, there. You don't want to get them from Harbor Freight. No, right. you don't want to yeah. get them from there. That, that's, that's garbage supplies. So oh, okay. Want that. <laughs> All right. Well then, um, yeah, anyway, so get some industrial springs and then, you know, you could just, uh, you know, whatever. So anyway, um, I'm going to, I will post that image uh, and then I will find some other toys and stuff to get into in this catalog. Cause I think it's gonna be a lot oh, of fun please. in the next yeah, three weeks. We got, that, that's the new mission. Now we got to, bring up everybody's uh, old Christmas wish list from back in the day when these episodes were airing. Yeah. That, you know what people, yeah. Like, let us know, like, this is a Christmas 85. Like what was the things you wanted? Like, um, the next couple of pages here, are action figures, we'll get more into them later. Uh, but yeah, it, it gets really in depth and some of the prices, even for then you're going to be like, wow, that, that, you know, you adjust for inflation. That's probably a little pricey, but you're like, that's still really approachable for some of this stuff. So we'll get there when we get there. There might be a certain GI Joe, um, uh, big oh, uh, air carrier, air like, <laughs> like, uh, oh man, yeah. I've been to big fun. I remember. <laughs> yeah. So we might, uh, we might talk about that in a couple of weeks. Anyway, that's, that's a uh, day and date and JC Penny catalog update. Um, that's a segment that's going to be a short lived segment for the next three episodes. So if people enjoy that and Terry's right, please let us know on the Facebook page or, you know, like just what was some of your Christmas once? at that time, right? For me, it was anything that was a robot or like, I think 85 was like the year for Nintendo too. Um, yeah. So, cause I think that was the year I got an Atari 2600 and Nintendo and I didn't touch the Atari 2600 again. Um, I think that was the year that I got my power wheels. I had, uh, uh, like a Ferrari <laughs> power wheels car. Right. There you go. And, and then weirdly enough, you got your first DOI like shortly thereafter. I don't know. <laughs> You're probably not far off, honestly. <laughs> Get that juice box out of his hand. You know, whatever. Anyway, uh, yeah, I had a Bartle and James or something. Anyway, so, all right, um, let's just get into our cast and crew. This is going to get a little weird because uh, there is some debate about who directed this. And then there's going to be um, a lot of cast that we're going to burn through because there's, I think, every single person in the world's in this, uh, this segment. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, first, uh, our director, we have two credited directors here. Uh, there is a little speculation about the first one I'm about to list. And God help me, I'm going to try to say this name. Rizard Bugaleski? Bug Bugaleski? Uh, Bugajuski? Like, yeah, he ended up like uh, doing like a more like North American modernization of his name later. But yeah, um, I see him listed on the IMDb and this would be the first of five of his segments. I'm not sure what he did in this one. Um, so interesting maybe thing, second unit or something like maybe that. cause I, but the couple other ones, I think he's listed as the primary director. We'll get there when we get there, but who knows, right? Maybe he did like maybe internal, like exterior interior. I don't know. Or some pickup yeah. shots. I don't know. Uh, maybe he was yeah. in charge of the really crappy CGI at the very end of this episode. I don't know. Um, yeah. So he began his career working, um, at studio X in the late seventies, which I believe was, um, a Russia studio. And when he was pressed, pressed by the secret police to become an informant, he vowed to bring down the communist regime, him and Rocky. Right. Um, so, um, <laughs> to that end, uh, he shot his first feature film interrogation as uh, society crumbled around him during the solidarity uprisings 
I'm sure that's a lot more history there that I am not qualified to get into. Uh, a scathing attack against the system interrogation was completed in secret during uh, during martial law. Banned by the authorities, the film was watched illegally by millions of uh, Polish people on newly acquired VCRs. Um, he eventually got persecuted by the secret police and was banned from working. Uh, he and his wife fled to Canada in 85, which is, you know, oddly enough, this is what he's working here, uh, where he quickly learned English and got working directing television and films. So... The guy has um, like a very politically charged background. Um, and then, you know, he got over here because, you know, shit was turning upside down, rightfully so. And, you know, made his bones at least, you know, learning, learning, like learning quickly and actually having, you know, a, a pretty decent TV career. And he actually ended up going back overseas later, I think, and ended up doing some more, uh, more film and TV work that he was like, you know, more his uh, passions for making statements. Yeah, and unfortunately, it looks like that he passed away in like 2019, I believe it was. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting that we don't know a whole lot of his material. But I'm, I'm I am really uh, kind of interested interested in seeing what he does with these other four episodes that he mm-hmm. is supposed to be directing. Uh, but the the other credit I would bring up really quick is uh, he did two Alfred Hitchcock presents from the eighties version. Mm-hmm. So he directed two of those as well. Okay. So then he at least, you know, had kind of a, a mind for short form storytelling and anthology. Right. So that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, our other credit for, uh, directing here is a uh, Martha Coolidge. Uh, she did, uh, she will be doing two more, uh, twilight zone episodes from the, ep- uh, from the eighties here, which we'll talk about in the future. Uh, she also directed real genius, which, we have a lot of people connected to real genius that's in this episode. And then also Valley girl, which again, like a lot of the actors and actresses participated, participated in both those films. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's what I was going to say here. So, uh, uh, first of, of three segments, like you said, uh, uh, w- one of the, the rare times we get a, a, um, a female directing an episode, uh, which is, you know, our segment, which is always good to see, right. You know, like it's important to get other voices out there. Um, uh, she first made her reputation by directing many award-winning documentaries in New York city, which is, I think is interesting because her and this other gentleman have like a background on like more, you know, like reality based, like storytelling. And then they're in the twilight zone. Uh, her feature like Dave, the director world debut, not a pretty picture was based on a date rape. She suffered at age 16. Uh, her breakthrough film was Valley girl, which was independently made, which, um, I didn't realize that. Um, so that was also remembered for the launch of, uh, Nicholas cage who never went on to do anything ever again after that. Um, and it also helped the popularity of the British, uh, band, modern English hit song. I melt with you. So she would go and do a lot of TV, some other comedies, so yeah, I think it's important to mention both of these. And then you're right about the whole, um, a lot of people showing up in real genius. So, uh, that's your directors. Um, here I'll, I'll get into the writing part of it. Um, so this is written, this was adapted by a uh, Rockney S. O'Bannon. We've talked about him previously. This is the third segment he's written so far on the series. He ended like, you know, we talked about how he kind of pitched, um, I think he pitched wordplay. He just sent the script in and they hired him. So this is where he got his start. We've talked about that previously. Uh, this is based upon the story of teleplay written by Rod Serling, Night of the Meek, for the original series. Uh, so it's it's an update. I have some information about that later. We'll get into that once we get through the talking about the the episode. So um, yeah, let's get into this cast. Um, there's a few main players. Uh, Terry, please, uh, you know, uh, take it away, and then we'll go through um, every other person ever in this. 
Yeah, so hopefully I won't choke to death here while I'm trying to say all the cast. Um, (laughs) I heard you in the background like, I'm just getting ready. I'm getting ready. Like, you know, I thought. Yeah, I was trying to get psyched up by drinking a a swig of my beer. And then I'm like, oh, no, wrong pipe. Yeah. Um, I thought you were on your little um, spring-driven motorcycle and things were going sideways for you there for a second. I didn't (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, But, yeah, so our cast is led off by uh, Richard uh, Mulligan. He's probably the most notable and leads the leads the story mainly uh he plays harry corwin uh he he'll be in one more uh, episode that we'll discuss in the future of the 80s version of the twilight zone a bunch of episodes of the the show soap empty nest and the thing that i recognized him from um it's an 80s movie called the heavenly kid uh it's pretty dark storyline but it's one of those uh kind of just uh it's an 80s movie that only could exist in the 80s Fair enough. I think I've seen it. I, it's been forever, but I, I like Richard Mulligan. He's a very recognizable, like I wouldn't say character actor, but distinct actor. And I remember him probably best from empty nest. Cause it was a golden girl spinoff. And it was kind of like, that was, you know, you're just watching like, you know, uh primetime television. It would always kind of that big dog Rufus. I yeah. Right. Yeah. And then his was his, his neighbor, Joe Azuzu or whatever his name was. The guy that was in all those Azuzu commercials. Yeah. Um, I remember him from golden girls. I, cause yeah. I, I remember the dog, but even the dog was, you know, co-star on there too. <laughs> I think the dog had its own <laughs> series as well. I don't think that's true, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's Richard Mulligan. And like, I, everything I've seen him, I liked very, um, you know, just, just very good presence. I think he does a really good job here. Um, you know, a little goofy, but that's also, it's, uh, you know, kind of what you want, but yeah. Um, I like Richard Mulligan. I was, I was really interested in seeing him in this because I know primarily that stuff that I had known him for was uh comedy related. So I was wondering where this episode was yeah. going to go with everything. Well, put a pin in that. You, you, we, you will forget this part of this conversation until we get to the next episode he's in, which is later in the season called toys of toys of Caliban, which is one of the, <laughs> it's, it is, it is a hell of a thing. And it is not a comedy whatsoever. So you'll see a different side of him in that story. I'll just, I'll tease that. So yeah, get just, you know, um, hold on to your butt when we get there. Yeah. So then the next credit here uh, is uh, William Atherton. Um, I believe I pronounced it correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays Mr. Dundee. Uh, he'll be in another segment that we'll talk about in the future. Um, he was in Ghostbusters. You know, this man has no dick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh he was a diehard uh it's mm. another scumbag in that movie too uh he's a scumbag in uh diehard uh or i'm sorry uh biodome as well so he likes to play a real dirt bag in movies and you know it's like this is kind of on on brand for him yeah, and he, he's also a real genius right so that's where we, like, one of the connections but i like i had this little note about him being in a ghostbusters he was so hated that after that movie came out he was harassed on the street and challenged to fights in bars <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's why he shaved off the beard and everything from the movie. <laughs> try to, just trying to change it up a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. everything else I've seen him in, he doesn't have any facial hair. I just like well, the idea actually, that I take people it back in Biodome, he grows it throughout the film. I like the idea that the people like were so mad at him for like letting the ghosts out that weren't real that they would fight. They want to fight him in the bar. Like what is going on? Like that feels like, that feels like a 2022 story versus an 85 story, but you know, whatever. But yeah, I, he's not the one of those guys you recognize. And it's like, you love to hate him type, you know, like, cause he is, he's a, like, he, he's good at what he does. 
right? And it's like the moment you recognize, like you see him, you're like, oh, this is gonna be that slimy dirt ball, but he does a good job with it, right? It's kind of like, uh, what was the same guy that, not he's not the same guy, but the guy that played a shooter in, um, was it Happy Gilmore? Every time yeah. you see him, I'm like, that, that guy is like, he's that asshole when you cast him to be that asshole and, and you, you love him for it, you know? Yeah. My wife was, uh, just finished a show that he was just recently on called the watcher. So okay, yeah, he's in yep. that show. There you go. But right. uh, yeah, nonetheless, uh, onto our, the rest of our cast, because it's going to take a minute. Yeah. Um, uh, Bill Henderson, I'm sorry. Uh, he plays older cop. He was in clue and in city slickers. And until uh, Teddy Wilson, he uh, plays Henderson, which I think, believe I got that right, right? So he, I, I thought I messed up my notes at first, but I'm like, no, there's the guy who is named Henderson and then the guy who's playing. You're right. I didn't even notice that. I would have messed that up. I would have been like, that's really bad. But no, uh, he plays Henderson, who is like the store associate, right? In Dundee. Yeah. And yeah. I, I believe, you know, like, especially from this dude's voice, I thought he was the, uh, the guy who was in the card game uh episode where the devil is playing cards that we just recently covered not that long ago yeah but it wasn't him no it was, um, that was um he, yeah that that was uh yeah you're right i did the both those actors even though morgan freeman and um the other gentleman the guy from saturday live you're right like i, yeah, can see I, that, thought, you know? I thought it might have been him for a second but no this uh this gentleman was in uh life stinks if you've never you've ever seen that the mel brooks film which is hilarious and uh, he's in an episode of tales from the crypt yeah, and also he made his debut in a, a black exploitation film called Cotton Comes to Harlem, which is uh, I've seen it. Like, and it's um, there it is it is it's a thing. Like, it's 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 a lot of fun, but it's also like very much of its time. And I'm there's a lot there. I'm sure that wasn't like meant for me, but it, you know it it's it's a ridiculous movie in a lot of good ways too. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. I have to get into some of the black exploitation stuff, but uh, yeah. I, I guess we're going to have to fire off the rest of these uh, credits. And, yeah, uh, I can, I can do that. If you, if you, unless you have any other of note, I can run through this real quick. No, that's the ones that I, I actually put any major notes. For. Okay. So here, what I got here is uh Joan, uh, Joanne Barton, sorry, Joanne Barron is Mrs. Beecham. Not sure who she was in this, uh, but she was in Halloween ends. So I thought that was kind of relevant. I wanted to mention that Thomas F. Duffy is the businessman. Not sure who he was in this, but he was in death wish Two. He was the main bad guy in that. So got to throw that out there to live and die in LA, the abyss. Um, let's see who else we have here. Um, Charles Swigart is the bartender. He was in real genius. Let's tie there. Um, what else we got here? Uh, Jeff Cobra as younger cop. Uh, Sons of Anarchy. I think that's where people would recognize him most. I've not seen Sons of Anarchy, but it looks like he a grizzled. is in yeah. one of the best episodes of SBU. He there plays a cult leader in it, and he, I mean, I knew I recognized this dude right off the bat. But I'm like, this guy just has a look to him as well. Yeah, um, yeah, like especially now, like you know, like you see, like yeah, he just that's you cast that guy for that for sure. Um, we have uh, Benji Gregory as Boy. Um, uh, he, was, he was Brian Tanner on Alf. Uh, so major player there. And in the episode, amazing stories, Paul stout as baseball boy, 71 episodes of scarecrow, and Mrs. King. He's one of the children, you know, that's, you know, it, it, Hey, it's a nice job. If you can get it, uh, Georgia Schmidt as wife. Um, this is worthy of note. She is probably best known as playing the first, a Talosian alien in the first episode of the original star Trek series titled the cage. That was the unaired pilot that would later become the menagerie. So she's like, known for that, which rightfully so also night gallery. And then what else do I have here? Um, Oh, 
There, Lawrence Tate, as older brother, he was the one waiting in line and um, has his suspicions about Santa not being um, quite on the level when he goes to sit down. Uh, he was in Minnesota Society. He's in that show. He was in Rescue Me. Uh, there's that star series called Power that he's in and the, the, the sequel to a power book two ghost. So he's still working. Uh, he was the reoccurring role of Steve Urkel's nemesis, Willie F- uh, Fuffner. So there you go. I wanted to tie that in there. And then also, um, what was it? Uh, Brian meal, um, as father, uh, a lot of Sesame street and Muppet Sesame street and Muppets work. That was like, so you got some Muppets, got some puppets, you got some Alfs, you got some Urkel's, uh, you got some aliens. You got all sorts of things in here. Yeah, it's it's totally eighties. <laughs> yeah, right. So, all right, uh, let's get into this update of Night of the Meek. Uh, so, first off, Terry, you you've se- have you seen like I know you you watched the original Night of the Meek, or have you not seen that? I revisited it okay, uh, just to get a little bit of refresh on what maybe was changed for this adaptation. Okay, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I just recently watched it. So okay, because I mean, I know like you know we've been taking this journey after season two of the original series, so I just wanted to make sure that you and I are on the same page about that. So, so yeah, we're uh, it, it 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 follows a lot of similar beats. So um, where you have the the Dundee um, you know shopping area, whatever your Higbees, whatever you want to call it, right? Everybody's waiting for Santa. Uh, Henderson's there trying to cover up for Henry. Uh, Henry's not there yet because, um, Henry's out, um, you know, uh, tying a couple on, um, at the bar. Right. And, uh, I like that, uh, Henderson's trying to cover for him. It's like the sign says, uh, Santa's still feeding his reindeer malt liquor, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, but Henry's at the bar getting lit. He doesn't have enough money. He's trying to get stuff on credits. Bartenders like can't extend credit. And then Henry's like, yeah, you know what? Probably for the best. Yeah. If you don't have money, it's an easy argument to not get into with the bartender. You know, can I have a free drink? No, you raise a good point. <laughs> you know, but, and this is yeah. where you start to notice the differences. Um, you know, he's at the bar and there is another patron at the bar and there's kind of a, a little bit of conversation between the three page or the, I'm sorry, uh, him, the other patron and the bartender, but the bartender is a lot more amicable than the bartender. That's in the original <laughs> version. That dude was an asshole. <laughs> he also couldn't spell the word Mary right as in Merry Christmas. I don't know if you know this in the, the mirror in the background in the original episode. It's like M-E-R-Y. Like they didn't even mm-hmm. spell it right. You know, uh, maybe they had the R later in terms of like, oh, like th- that was added in like the 70s. I don't know. But um, yeah. So times were different back then. Yeah. They, they couldn't like the, the budget. They only could have one R. Uh, but no, with this one, it's like the the directions that we have with Henry here versus it was uh, Art Carney that played Henry in the original uh, is that Art Carney was more like just overall sad about the world right and 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 him, and, and Richard Mulligan is too but the focus is more shifted on the 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 city around the shopping center. This feels right. like this is the area he grew up in. He's like, these like these kids don't know what Christmas is versus where in the original take, it was more like, you know, everybody's kind of lost their spirit. I mean, and they're not, they're not dissimilar, but they are a little distinct. If that makes sense. They are. And I think they're, you know, there's a, there's a delivery that's being uh, taken from, uh, I'm sorry, Richard Mulligan in this, that, it, it feels like he's just he's he's upset 
but it's you don't see that as a like well this dude's just a lush because he doesn't like his job mm-hmm. you 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 feel this innocent behavior from him in the sense that it's like he is feeling sorry because he can't do more for the kids like there we hone in on that immediately especially when he kind of gets on his soapbox he looks out at the kids that are looking through into the window and the kids look sad it, I mean, it's like straight out of like a Forger's Coffee's commercial. <laughs> like all they want is a cup of Joe, man. Like it's 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 so it feels so eighties. Like I I would like I was watching this with my wife, uh, just kind of get a refresh on it before we were going to record, and it, it it just it feels so eighties and how it's delivered, and like in comparison to the original episode, it's like. I actually really enjoy how they develop Henry's character. Um, he does, he does seem sad. He seems like he's, it's not that he's down on his luck. He just feels like there's so much more, uh, you know, more, uh, like sadness for the people around him. Yeah. I mean, so, cause we even find out that he's actually a little bit more financially stable than mm-hmm. the original Henry. Right. So, cause he has an apartment. Uh, we, we never learned Henry. I think Henry was more or less a homeless person in the first one, but, um, you know, uh, or at least, you know, living at like a shelter or something, you know, we, we don't know that for sure, but anyway, and he, so, all he's yeah. got in his pocket is change. And what yeah. we find out about, uh, this Henry is that, um, he has enough money to pay for his drinks, but when he wants to get at least one more, it's it's like well he just he's he's fresh out at this point. Well, no, because like the, if I recall, he was like I you know, like I don't have any money. He's like I, I I can't do it. And then he looks at this like he says to those kids, "Is like I wish I could do something for him." And then the bartender's like, "You got some money in your pocket." And then you hear this well, terrible noise. You hear this terrible sound effect. Yeah, the yeah. musical like this music music magic cue Ugh, where it's it. just like Blah! all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, yeah. like magically there's a a dollar hanging out of his pocket. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, then he pulls out another dollar and the, the same music cue happens. So then he's confronted with the possibility of getting another drink. And he says, no, that's that's OK. I'm, I'm good for the day. And he waves by and we see through the window of the bar that he gives those two dollars to the two children outside of the window. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's that's kind of one of those saving the cat moments, right? for the character. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the phrase saving the cat, uh, that's used in a lot of screenwriting. No, uh, I, I, yeah. uh, um, that's not, that's yeah. you're actually the first time I've ever heard that. It's a thing where you, you, when you establish a character, uh, and the idea is that, you know, whoever they are, if you see them saving a cat in a tree, like, you know, they're a good guy and you're going to trust them. Like, so you give them, you give them a redeemable moment at the beginning. So you, as the viewer are like, all right, I'm on this guy's side type of mm-hmm. thing. So that's the saving the cat moment of like, you see you, you and even it's even assisted further by having the shot go through, like through the window of the door. So we're not like, we're not up in his face being like here kids, I'm giving this to you. It's more like, it's more, he's doing it of his own goodwill as opposed to like making a display of it for others. It's like, not so voyeuristic. It's yeah, meaning just, it's like he's doing it because he wants to, as opposed to showing that he's capable of it. So that's that's more that that's that gets you more cheering for Henry, 
So like watch a lot of movies, like you, you'll get saving the cat moments. Like that's like, it's a trope where it's like, Oh, I'm on this guy's side. Like, um, yeah, it's, it's a thing that it's, it's, it works though. Right. Because you want to cheer for him. Right. It so, works in yeah. how it's established, but yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying now. Yeah. So, so then, uh, but of course he's lit and I like how he wanders across the street. He, what was it? He says, he says hi to Mrs. Stoner. I'm like, do they, do they know something about her? We're not talking about anyway. <laughs> that, um, that's, I think that's why there was a delayed, uh, reaction. <laughs> did, did you notice that the, the decoration in the background, it looked like, it looked like a Christmas glaive from, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> just it, from crawl. It looked like the glaive from crawl, but like a Christmas version. I don't know. It was it, weird. You know, it's I, that I saw that was one of the things that was brought up on IMDb and I still forgot to look for it, but I love crawl. Like I love that. It, was movie. that part of the trivia? <laughs> I didn't realize that's part of the trivia. That's funny. Yeah, it was, it was part of the IMDb trivia. And I'm like, oh. Oh, is that just a thing that they kind of like made up? They're like, Hey, this movie is kind of out right now. No, check it. I, I, I sent you a screenshot. I took, it was the best one I could take of the actual ornament as he's talking oh, nice. to. That was um, the noise I heard. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, that, that, oh, that is totally it. <laughs> yes. Dude, that's totally it. It looks like the glaive, right? Hell yeah. yeah dude, right. Like, yeah. But it looks really big though. That's <laughs> badass, dude. I want one of those now. Right. What? Yeah. Right. Everybody, oh. right, everybody. So we changed our minds. We don't want the riding horses. Send us Christmas glaives. Please and thank you. That's on my that's on my new wish list. That's, <laughs> that's the yeah, dude, that's awesome. I was really like, I was confused on where it was, dude. That's awesome. I'm like, I'm floored now. I want that thing, dude. Right. So we get we get uh, we get Henry going to the store, and uh, in the meantime, we meet Dundee, who like, well, we meet him before, but you know, he's. Yeah, he he's the one that owns the store. You know, he's he's you know the Grinch in this story, and he's he's busting the balls of an associate who um, inadvertently sold a custom fur coat that was uh, like tagged for Dundee's wife. Which, by the way, if if you already had that thing custom made, I think you would have already pulled. Like, it wouldn't have hit the sales floor. That's just me. You're not a good you're not a good manager of your product, there, buddy. Um, but either way, the the the, the jacket got sold. And Dundee's like, like just pissed. And he was like, all right, well, you're going to figure this out. And whoever sold it, you know, you're going to figure it out too. And you guys are going to be in my office like tomorrow morning. And the guy's like, it's Christmas. He's like, not for you, which I thought was a fun line. Right. So, I mean, it's understandable that the, you know, Dundee is upset. And I mean, I would be as well. Cause he said that this was uh, made to like specifications. There, there was the only one that they had. I mean, tomorrow's Christmas. I would have been really bummed out if it was for my wife. Well, I agree, you know? but also your your name your name is the store name, so I'm going to guess that whatever shipments came in, you're probably watching the shipments like a hawk, right? And would have had that pulled the moment it came in the store. But anyway, so I'm guessing, right? I mean, this is like I'm the guy that whenever I are DoorDash, I'm looking like you know out the window 20 minutes before we're supposed to be here. I'm like, it better show up, right? So I'm going to guess if it was a custom made. Uh, <laughs> you know, custom made coat. I would have been all over that. So, um, yeah, thank you for your glaive comparison. That is <laughs> it. No, it's, um, it is it without the blades. Like, you yeah, know, because they're, I'm sorry, guys, we're going <laughs> completely off track. I'm, I'm stoked that this is that like somehow we're talking about crawl in this, in this yeah. podcast, like crawl. So happy <laughs> crawlsmas, everybody. All right. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so but no, like yeah. it's just, the, just the idea that, uh, the, you know, Dundee is pissed. This is something that maybe he, his ass was on the line. Mm-hmm. Like I understand him being upset. 
then we see that um i'm sorry again here we go uh, henry uh, his, henry henry walks in and he's obviously drunk and he's trying to get up to his little seat to greet all the kids and that's when we get the line from the one little boy that like santa's smashed yeah <laughs> and, that, and that's when we get mr dundee going like hey santa and he immediately uh, henry turns around and just like falls over everything and they're <laughs> like like some of the customers even fall with him it's like it's a real uh uh oh moment i but it also feels like dundee was like you know if he didn't call it out henry probably could have made it okay Right. But it was like, he just kind of was like, you know, like, Hey, and, and then all of a sudden it's like, you're going to turn, you're going to tell the wobbly guy, you're going to make him turn around fast. It's like, he almost feel like he was goading him into collapsing. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, um, you know, a drunk Santa is a hazard. So better, better now than later, I guess, you know, fair enough. Yeah. It, I mean, you, you kind of do want to nip it in the bud right away yeah. and just say, uh, yeah, Hey, um, maybe not have any of the kids go up to him yet. <laughs> That's uh, like, yeah, because I think that happens in the the original episode. Like, at least one child goes up to uh, the Santa. Yeah, and yeah. Like, <laughs> it doesn't like, go so yeah. well. Yes. Um, like, um, like, let's yeah. keep it kosher. Let's like keep all the children away from the drunk guy right now. Yeah. So then, um, you know, that happens, and he was like, "Oh, you've been drinking," and he was like, "I have been." It's like and credit also to Mulligan the way he plays it. It's like he's ashamed of himself but he's not denying anything. And I'm not saying that like art Carney didn't deny anything either, but I'm saying in terms of this, he was like, you're right, sir. I should not have been doing that. And he was like, and he's like, you're ruining Christmas for these kids. And he's like, but I'm not, he's like, these kids, every kid here in line is going to get what they want. Talking to me does nothing. It's the kids out, out in the streets. They're not going to get anything. And, and I like, think you know, that's, that, that was a different approach to this that I thought was really interesting. Cause I don't really think that there was that, um, like that statement and how it was uh, made in the, the original episode, like the idea that the kids that are coming to the store, the parents that are bringing these children are the ones that are more fortunate. I it's, think it, it was it's just a very, more, it's a very eighties like self-awareness. I mean, in, in a good way of like, of like, if you're already privileged enough to come to this department store on Christmas Eve, your parents have already gotten you everything you've asked for. This is just a formality, you know, like, I think that's a very, like the credit where credits do, I think that was kind of like, you know, they were right about this. Like there's a certain amount of privilege that's involved with that. Yeah. And I, I mean, like, I, I think that how this is handled is pretty cool. And I'm, I'm happy to a point. And there was like this, uh, monologue that happens from Henry that I felt like was a little bit forced mm -hmm. at this moment, but nonetheless, it gets the point across, you know, him saying, that these, the, the, you know, again, like what you were saying, like the, the children on the outside of this world are the ones that are the ones that are going to be disappointed. Like that's just a, that's a hell of a statement still, even if I feel like it's a little drawn out and forced, it is a very powerful statement. Yeah, absolutely. So then he, um, you know, he leaves, uh, well, escorted <laughs> and he, we find him in his apartment still drinking. I like that he's still wearing the Santa coat. Like he's just like, all right, I'm, I'm here and I'm drinking. Oh, I'm out. I'm out of, I'm out of whatever I'm drinking out of my mad dog or whatever I'm drinking. <laughs> Again, um, it's 50, 50. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, just cut off a little bit of Sprite and you're fine. Uh, so, um, uh, I, that doesn't talk about my early Christmases whatsoever. I'm kidding. Uh, so, um, 
Yeah, he goes to, I like that he goes to grab a garbage bag and, and throws a, you know, throws the bottle in there and then he hears the carolers outside and he goes out, he opens the window and listens to them. And it's a good moment. Um, you know, like, it's also weird that like they're singing and then he goes out and notices them, but it's like, like, it almost feels like there, I wish there had been a moment of like somebody else opened a window and be like, shut up. Like, cause you know, it's the city, <laughs> you know. Those like, people turning off their lights and closing their windows yeah, and all that like, stuff. Like a random potato gets thrown at one of the kids or whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know, because um, it's the city, right? You never know. Yeah, but that, well, you know, you're you're, you're speaking towards like Clevelanders. <laughs> I, I, I like I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a, a, a can of Steel City Reserve just goes flying out the window of one of the kids. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, uh, no, no. And so, but like, it's a moving moment. And he was like, oh, it's wonderful. Thank you. I wish I could give you something. And they're like, no, it's okay. And he's like, he's like touched by it. And then uh, he goes to like take the garbage out and he has his, uh, his garbage bag. And um, like, uh, he's like, as he's like walking along to take it out, like he hears a noise, right? Um, and it's like, it sounds like a monster. Like the first time you hear that noise, you're like, what is going on? Um, and also I should mention too, that the, everything, all the other sounds stop. And then we hear sleigh bells and then there's that noise. And then when he drops the bag, a little RC toy pops out and rolls around. Like that would still scare me. I don't care. Like, I'd be like, I don't remember putting an RC toy on this garbage bag. Maybe I've had too much mad dog. It it was strange. Uh, Like it, it almost was ominous. Because we had the carolers, and then when he was coming down the steps to take the garbage out, we had more music being sung. But then immediately, it just stops. Like, the music cuts. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's like, whoa, whoa! Like, what's going on in the street now? Like, uh, like I just imagine like something was going to go down as soon as he walked down to the street. Yeah. What if? What if? What came out was one of those monkeys with the symbols that are clanging. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting into uh, monkey shines territory. Yeah, that right or what if was a jack in a box that looked very uh, similar to the one from It's a Good Life? You know, they've been like, nope, oh, we're out of here. Uh, so uh, I'm, th- I'm thinking of uh, demonic toys now. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so he starts like discovering like he's looking in this bag and like he's pulling out more stuff and it's like he actually gets like like it, it's it, it's improbable what's coming out of this bag, which is you know similar to the original story, but he's excited. And it's like the look on Richard Mulligan's face sells it. Like, you can't tell me that you're not all in on this guy. Like he's, he's like just over the moon and he goes chasing after the kids. Like I have presents for you. I have presents for you. It's Which a wonderful the audio moment. That you opened yes. With as well. It's a one. Cause he's just like, just, this is the greatest moment ever. Right. He's and, elated. Yeah. yeah. He's completely overjoyed by the fact that like he has something to give to these children. Now, like, even when he shot, uh, like set out to the window or out the window to the carolers, I wish to God I had something to get to you guys. And it's like, that's, I mean, if, if it's a wish, he just got it. Yeah. So like he, he's got to, he's got to appreciate this moment immediately for what it is. And like, send it to the masses. That's a wonderful moment. Like, listen, I have a uh, tape player radio for one of you and a, like a lollipop that is the size of three of your heads. I want to bring this to you, right? Did you, the, you see the size of that, that sucker? Like, my God, that was, it was like the lollipop kids. Yeah. From, like, uh, yeah, it was Wizard so Oz, big. Yeah. I'm just like, also like, it, like it, 
I, you know, you and I both like, we grew up in like, maybe like not the most economically advantaged households. I, I never once wrote, can I just have just a large sucker for Christmas? I always dreamt bigger than that. I don't know about you. Like, <laughs> like transformer or uh, diabetes. Come on, come on. Yeah. Can um, I please have a mini pool table, please? And thank you. Or can I have a clippy clop horse or whatever it was called? Anyway. Well, yeah. It's funny, like watching like the unfolding scenes coming up here that I, I think that I could collect all this stuff at the Goodwill now <laughs> and put it back into a garbage bag and do the exact same Would, scene. But, but I would have guessed that people are not going to be as enthusiastic when you hand them that stuff. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> hey, did you want did you want a, a dual deck uh, uh, stereo tape player? No. Well, here it is. Did you want Did you want this really a large radio uh, alarm clock? Did you want? Yeah. A, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't. Do you, okay. So a you, left-handed glove. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would have been all about that being you know left-handed, but uh, I um, <laughs> I think um, there's the bit in the original episode when he's asking the kids what they want and the what. Do, I don't know if you remember, like. Did you notice the one kid was like a gun? Do you remember that in the original episode? <laughs> like I was like, those what are you? kids were little assholes yeah. in that delivery too. I'm yeah. like. What is going on in this? He was like, I want a gun. And it's like, I know it's a toy gun, but I'm like, that's not what you're asking for there, buddy. Anyway. They're like um, shouting at it too. I'm like, I want a doll. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Like, and he, (laughs) at our character in that, I, I, is his, uh, the original character named Henry as well. Yes. So like, he's just like, so overjoyed to give these toys out to these kids in the original one. That like when you're when I'm watching it now, I'm like these kids don't seem grateful at all. No, at least in this, everybody's getting something, and that the way that they sell their um, their happiness for all of these like things, like, it's, it's it so is way cool. better. It, it, yeah, yeah, like just the delivery of all of what's about to go on here. Yeah. So anyway, anyway I just want to mention that the kid in the, in the '60s asked for a gun. I just wanted to make sure people are well aware of that. Go watch it; it happened. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so then when we cut back to Dundee, like he he's closing down the store. He's not happy. I like there's a brief bit of William Atherton kicking like a display by um by an elevator that the lights go out and the way he just kind of looks at the display real quick is funny. Like it's it's like I know it was planned, but it looks like it, he plays it like he still didn't expect the tree to go off. It's a fun little bit with him, right? So then he ends up in the. He ends up driving, which I like that the way to leave his store is through the city streets. Like, like, like there isn't like an immediate on ramp to a highway to get out of the city. Let's be honest. Anyway, well, like, it, like know. that. There's an idea that there's this bubble where the mall is in this <laughs> in this unfortunate ghetto area or something like that. So, like every everywhere, every um ramp out of there, or every um. Uh, yeah, way out. It's a direction like, out is yeah. like through the ghetto. Yeah, but he—I mean, he's like he's straight up business. Like he's listening to uh, some like some kind of broadcast about it, sales and so, all that. But did junk. you notice? I'm going to—I'm cutting you off right now. This is something I picked up on the second time through because it's really hard to hear. Did you hear what they're talking about on the radio? It was—it was kind of difficult to really like track what they were talking about. But what was it? It was a—they said the Tim Ferrett and Friends line. Uh, was real successful and was stated. And they said this time next year, two out of three children will own one. Why does that sound familiar? Because it was the the Uncle Devil show we covered. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like it's like that to me is the darkest part of this episode. I'm like, wait, two out of three kids are going to get one of those weird devil kits and every. Oh no, we're all dead. Um, but yeah, it was oh, talk- good on you, man, yeah. for uh, realizing that's what the connection was. I totally forgot that that was the I. 
Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so um, even it though this is really dark. <laughs> even though this is going to be a good night, uh, the world is doomed <laughs> this time <laughs> next year. So yeah, Tim it's, Ferriss it's, it's friends. It's going to be like the yeah. actual uh, last scene of uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Little shop of horrors where these giant plants are going to be <laughs> yes. eating the city. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it's a bunch of like you know wish puppets or whatever. That's the expanded right? yeah. universe. <laughs> but it just it was a nice little like if you if you if blink and miss it, it's more like you know because the audio is so kind of garbled. But I'm like, wait, did they say Tim Ferriss and friends? They did. So anyway. Right. Uh, so he's listening to the, like the business news and he sees like he sees all these people like enjoying life. So of course he's suspect. Like <laughs> Isn't that yeah. like the most eighties businessman thing? Like to be like, wait a second, these are poors. They can't have nice things, you know. Grumble, grumble, <laughs> uh, sucking on my cigar. But like they yeah. didn't, they didn't build into that kind of trope because I, I think that is kind of like a a big business trope as well. It's, it's like here's this old dude uh, sucking on a stogie, and he's like, oh, well, why are these people happy? But he is. I mean, like if he, if this is a normal route, there is a reason to be suspect about it because they're like, yeah. we have the P the people on the, the fire escapes, they're lighting up, um, the escapes with, uh, with Christmas lights and everything. We see people walking around with brand new stuff. Everybody's just kind of like mulling around, just kind of excited people on new bikes, scooters and all that. And it's like, what the hell is going on over here? Like, a, a very young Terry on a Power Wheels just just ripping ass to the streets. Yeah, just like yeah. peeling out. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, that thing did like three miles an hour. It was the best. You're right. So then he <laughs> like so he kind of does the same thing with the original story where he's kind of like pulled into like the epicenter of people walking out with like new th- like everybody. It's like it it's like everyone's way too happy. Something's wrong here. Like in his mind, right? He's kind of like eyeing it up. He goes into which turns out to be the bottom floor of uh, Henry's apartment building and everybody's excited and everybody's cheering every single time um, something else happens. Right. And they all know Henry, but they also are like the one, the one um, parents bringing their kid. In. It's like, he does look like Santa. It's like everybody's still like, there's a couple times where they call him by his name, but everybody's like, just like, you know, they're, they're believing in this magic because it keeps happening right in front of their faces. Yeah, it's 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 great because not only are we having everybody, um, like having this reaction to him, but he has the garbage bag just sitting there, pulling it out from the garbage bag, and it's like, how do we explain this? I don't know. It's a, a the one scene that was hilarious to me. Well, there's two two at this point. We get this uh, this poor like probably fifteen sixteen year old girl that walks up with her mother, being like. Essentially, like, I'm tired of being ugly. Can I have new glasses? It's like, well, glasses is what the solution is. I, I like that just kind of bothered me. I was like, that just seems like such an 80s trope in itself. It would have like, been better I've if he'd been like, pink. he would have been like, you know? oh, there's nothing in here that, like, because you're pretty already, you know, <laughs> like, type of, you know, like, yeah, but yeah, but, but you know, but, the glasses do help. Let's be honest, they do make her happier. I mean, they, so, they yeah. were nicer glasses, but it's like, I'm like, come on, man. Like, you know, breakfast club. Like if you only move your hair back, back and like, yeah. you know, not listen to, you know, post punk, then maybe you'll be pretty. 
I, I, I don't but know. My, my favorite part of all those bits, though, is whatever Henderson comes up and he's like, hey, um, we're running out of eggnog. <laughs> and, then, and, and, and Henry's like, oh, just, you know, like, wouldn't be a Christmas party without eggnog. And it's like, and he pulls the pitcher of eggnog out of the garbage bag and everybody cheers. And I'm just like, this is the only time, one, I'm not an eggnog guy. Two, I would be super suspect of eggnog coming out of a garbage bag. Like, you know, like, it's just like, everyone's like, hooray. And I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, you're, you're going to get, you're going to make yourself sick. You know, like, I, yeah. I, I love eggnog, but I don't know if I would be interested in eggnog that just came out of the garbage bag. So well, I'm gonna, I pointed I'm gonna, that out to my, yeah. I pointed that out to my wife too. And she's like, yeah, that doesn't seem so, very good. So um, spoilers, what I'm going to do for you for the holidays, I'm just going to like get like a small garbage bag and just fill it with some eggnog and set it outside <laughs> your front porch and like ring on your little landing and ring the doorbell. So, uh, you know, you just poke a straw in it like a juice bag. You'll be good I mean, to go, right? You could do that with like wine. Why not, right? Sure, right? I mean, <laughs> at least at least wine is like, I feel like it kills the bacteria. I think eggnog's just begging for all of it, right? Like, <laughs> um I mean, I think, uh, but anyway, I, I, the science, right. But I love that he pulls this out and it's like, I like, um, and I know in the original one, um, what was it? Uh, the one guy, like one of his things he would have wanted was a bottle of liquor, but I would just, wouldn't it have been better if like the only thing that comes out of this bag are just bottles of liquor over and over again. <laughs> like, I, I, I think like there is, there is a bit of reality that is not instilled into this actual story. That I, I honestly think that if he was living in a very bad neighborhood, he probably would have had that garbage bag stolen from him immediately. <laughs> I mean, oh, seriously. there you go. That's that's the end of it, right? Where everyone's like, oh shit, that that sack can give you whatever. All right, sorry, dude, you're out. You know, yeah. Um, one kid would be like, I want a gun, and I'm going to use it to take that bag from you. No, uh, so. So yeah, like, uh, and so, uh, we get Dundee like suspect and be like, well, how do you get all this stuff? You can't possibly have gotten all of it. I think. And he calls the cops and he's like, of course the cops are going to, he's like, he shouldn't have that. And the cops are like, well, how did you get this stuff? And, 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 uh, Henry's like, I don't know. It was just here. It's gifts. And I like that the cops are like, well, yeah, that's kind of suspect. Like we can't, you know, how dare you just give things to people because this rich white guy is like, he can't possibly have it. You know, that, I mean, that was stupid then, but even now it's like, oh God, that's, that's really bad. Like that, like the fact that like the cops are like, I guess we're going to confiscate all this stuff. Like this is not a thorough investigation of what happened. Yeah. I mean, if you put it in a time and place, like if everybody was getting a a PlayStation five out of it, because let's get real. That's what everybody would be wishing for a PlayStation five. So they can sell it on the internet. You know, (laughs) I want three PlayStation fives, you know, one for me and two to sell. I want the new J's out of this bag. Like everybody would be getting stuff that really he couldn't explain and it'd be worth hundreds of dollars or possibly even thousands of dollars. That's fair. Yeah. You, you've ruined the holiday spirit here by being like one for me and two to sell. I just like, I'm trying to put in a context. No, you're completely right. You're completely right. Like yeah. if, if the, the authorities were called, this would be the scenario, honestly. And I think people would have run away super fast with all their stuff. 
Like I think it also been like, oh shit, the cops, let's just get out of here. You know, like they would, everybody would have left Henry to suffer. Right. Um, but that's well, yeah, not, as soon, as, as, soon as he says that he's going to confiscate everything too, but like hit it, <laughs> yeah, get out of here. You see one guy in the background, just grab the pitcher full of eggnog and just run away, you know, <laughs> like, just like, oh, you know, whatever. <laughs> Um, yeah, they're just picking up things that aren't even like, like the table and the chairs, like just get whatever. It's fine. You know? Um, so, so yeah, as they're about to take Henry in for questioning, um, Henderson starts noticing that the bag is dropping, uh, like documents and he figures out that he starts laughing because it's all like, um, covered receipts. receipts. Yeah. Which is, that's a fun little twist with this. Like we, that I didn't see that coming for this telling of the story and they hold it up to Dundee. Like this is all accounted for. Like, you know, too bad. And he can't believe it. So the cops leave. And then, uh, later on, uh, after everything is all said and done, uh, at, you know, uh, Dundee is sitting outside, just kind of like, you know, uh, sour grapes trying to figure out what's going on. And that's when we get, uh, Henry coming out, like, and he's like, what you like, you know, what's, what's going on. And, and, um, and, um, Dundee's holding the receipts. He's like, I don't know how you did this, but I'm gonna figure it out. And then immediately they just disappear. They're like out. And he's like, what? And I like the bit where Henry's like, you and I both know that these items didn't come from your store. And he's like smiling. Cause he's like, he's so giddy. Cause like, cause a miracles happened, you know? And, and it's not even know. to get one over on Mr. Dundee. He really is generally happy. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, just like the, the idea that it's like, I don't, I can't explain it. And even if I tried to explain it to you, can't you just appreciate the fact that it, this might be a, like a literal miracle right now. Yeah. Cause he even says, I think the line moment. is never question miracles. I think that's the line. So, so at that point, then, um, then, uh, you know, Hen- Henry opens up the, the garbage bag of magic and pulls out this custom fur coat that also credit to the, to the story. You never hear him overhear that Dundee is missing that coat. So this isn't like, you know, like he just, he's just trusting this, you know, the magic to happen. Right. And pulls that out. And, and, and Dundee's like, Oh, this is the thing. And he's like, and then, and then, uh, and he's like, also, this is for you, this priceless baseball signed by every one of the 61 Yankees. And, um, he's like, you know, Dundee's excited. And I wrote all my caps here. The rich guy got stuff he wanted lesson learned. <laughs> well, if it's a way to get him to believe, I, I think that's probably the message that like I want to go towards like I know I keep on talking about the negatives or, like how this would relate into yeah. the reality of today but I think that it it's when you translate it in that type of way you're trying to force that person to be like there's something wholesome going on oh, here for sure. and you you like that I mean like especially when we get our outcome which we'll get here in a second but I just I really think that this is a an important scene to kind of encapsulate this entire episode. No, I agree. It just, it just feels like on the surface though. Like this guy's like, Oh, the coat. So I guess I'll let the fire two guys tomorrow, but they don't know that yet. So they're still going to show up tomorrow morning. (laughs) Yeah. Dundee could still be a prick, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, but credit to William Atherton. He actually does a good job of like selling like the, the magic on his face of like the, like not disbelief, but like the, the facades cracking. He's a human being. And it right. works, right? But I like the idea. It's like, oh, the, the, of all the things that were given tonight, the most expensive item got given to him. And he's like, this is mine? It's like, you could have bought this already. But whatever, here you go. 
you know. I also like the idea where he's like, like, are these autographs real? And 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 Henry's like, yeah, I believe so. It's like we don't know. We don't like who knows anyway. Um, you know, uh, it could have been like Mickey Mantor. Like that's not a guy that played for the Yankees, but it's signed on the ball. Uh, but whatever. Uh, so um, he, you know, like. Uh, Dundee goes on his way. Henry goes up to his apartment, like super happy that he's like, I wish this could happen every year. And he goes upstairs and that's when we get the change of like, he becomes uh, Tim Allen from the Santa Claus. Well, and, that yeah. was, the, yes. the, the statement that was made from Dundee to Henry was kind of powerful too. Like you, you don't want anything for yourself. That's right. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's like, and like, I mean, we got that in the original episode too. Uh, but just just the idea that it's like a selfless thing is I mean, you know, it's so wholesome and so on on point with like the Christmas stuff. I mean, unless you're watching Christmas horror stuff like I usually do every year. But um, <laughs> I like, mean, this is almost this is almost the same story as Silent Night, Deadly Night, right? Like it's almost the same thing. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah <laughs> like, damn close. Yeah. 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 It's almost Punish. the same thing as Krampus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, like you were uh, talking about uh, when Henry goes up, he he actually he's wearing the dirty suit still. It's actually a really kind of crummy suit, crummy beard. But then when he walks back into his apartment, the beard is now his. He can't he can't take it off. It's mm-hmm. a, he, it's uh it, it's like his facial hair now. Yeah, and the, the and suit the gets suit, nice. Yeah, it gets nicer. And he gets the bells on the hat. Like it's a it's a nice little subtle like. Oh, things are different now before he realizes it. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, very nice. And then uh so he sees this in the mirror and that and then all of a sudden like he feels the magic and he's like, Oh, he's I think he says to the 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 uh uh fireplace, like I always wondered how this worked or whatever. Yeah. And it's like like and then all of a sudden he materializes into these particles or whatever. And then goes up the the shoot. One of the worst CG like computer effects. I'm sure at the time they're like, oh, and I'm like, it is one of the worst goddamn things I've seen. <laughs> like the way he just turns into whatever it is. And it's like I understand that. Like, like the, we we've talked about this earlier with some of the uh, earlier segments. Like this was kind of kind of cutting edge. But I'm like, there's probably ways you could have got around this. We didn't need to see that. But yeah, it's bad. And then we get um, we get Dundee doing the reaction shot of him looking up at the sky while we hear uh, Henry as now Santa, like ho ho hoing his way across the sky, which would that you know, like after we saw what happened in like with the bad CG sparkles, I'm glad they didn't try doing a shot of him up in the sky. That would have been, no, that was, that was the right decision yeah. there. And, you know, and again, like another comparison thing, uh, to the original episode, uh, it, I, I'm glad that it, they chose to do it this way, even though that CGI looks like trash there, the original episode, um, there, it, like he kind of stumbles upon a sleigh that is sitting there and there's like an elf that just shows up too. I, I, <laughs> I don't know if that was necessary and how that was presented, but um, I really enjoyed this version of the story. I think they did a really, really good job mm-hmm. of translating it into this. Yeah, I agree. I, I like I like the update. Um, it's really weird because I mean, you know, um, I know you're a big fan of Spooky Season, and I appreciate it as much. I'm I'm not a big Christmas guy. Like, it's just, it's just, I don't know. Like I'm a thank like Thanksgiving that you could justify that to me of like, Oh, we're all gonna get around and, and eat and pass out and you know, whatever. 
I just, football. Yeah. What go football, go football. Right. Anyway. Yeah. But it's go like, sports. yeah, go sports. Um, but like, I'm just not a big Christmas guy, which, um, by the way, as much as now that this is the middle of November, I am drinking uh Christmas ale this evening as we're talking. So you got to get that Christmas beer going on. Cause of course it's November. Right. So, um, anyway, I'm not, a, I, for me, it's not like, I'm not a big, like, I don't have a big like sentimental connection to the holiday. However, with that being said, um, Night of the Meek from season two is actually one of my favorite episodes of the season. And I think it's because Art Carney and the way his sincerity in that, um, I think that there's elements of the story that are handled better, better. And I think Richard Mulligan did an amazing job. Uh, but there's something about like Art Carney's like sadness and the way he portrays it that just, it just, it just punches me in the gut. I don't know what it is, but like, so I was excited to, to, to get to this one because it was actually one of my favorite episodes of season two of the original series. I'm like, how are they going to update this? And they do a good job. Like, I'm not, I'm not discrediting any of it. It's just, you know, we had our fun, we made our jokes, but like, you know, for the Twilight Zone having this latitude of being like, it doesn't always have to be like, um, oh, this messed up thing happened. Like, there could be joy in it and this they did a good job of still getting the joy through this this good you know i think they did a good job with it yeah they definitely did and uh i i appreciate the the original episode uh and it, it has a lot of merit to it but this i i think i mean they're both they could both stand alone no no problem i think that probably this is something we will revisit uh in our household every year now just knowing how good the original episode is and then how I think that they did such a good job of translating it to a, a different time in a different place. Um, I really, really enjoy this. My wife just sat there and she's, she was like, I, I think she was actually tearing up and trying to hide it from me. It's <laughs> like, that was damn good. I was like, okay. She's like, we're going to have to watch that at least one or two more times during the Christmas season. I was like, Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> it's like, it's like I. It, so this works perfectly fine as a, as a, just like a, a wholesome storyline. Mm -hmm. You know, something that's completely different from, I, I at least in my eyes, different from the Twilight Zone world. I don't feel Twilight Zone necessarily from this, because you know, like at least when it comes to Christmas stuff. There's like a hand wave over every damn storyline when it comes to Christmas stuff. <laughs> no, I agree. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense, but no, it's it's just like like there's like there's the Christmas spirit, in, yeah. you know, involved. Or it, somehow you're like you're supposed to forgive this because it's like, but it's Christmas. It's like you could still tell me a good story, you know, yeah. like you know, and I get f so frustrated with that. That's a lot of like. I'm sure the like was it Hallmark Channel or whatever they're ramping up with like their eighty seven thousand uh, movies oh, of like you know dude, yeah you don't even know yeah. <laughs> you don't even know yeah like so. I, I went to a wedding uh, two and a half weeks ago and uh, the Hallmark Channel was showing Christmas movies uh, every every time every yeah, time it's, I would say, yeah and it, it's I, definitely in and you know a specific specific uh, niche and they've they've leaned into it the last couple of years and. Everybody's excited for it. Uh, not me. So, um, I have a little bit of trivia about the original story cause, um, uh, because I actually went back to one of my reference books that I actually have. Um, we don't always have a lot of trivia about these episodes. So can I share you some of the origin for this? 
Let's hear it. Yeah. So this comes from the Twilight Zone Unlocking the Door to a Television Classic by Martin Grahams Jr., an amazing resource for the original Twilight Zone. Um, and so I did not have this book available when uh, Night of the Meek was originally discussed. So... Um, but so the one thing I will mention here, um, is that this was one of the six, uh, episodes that were, uh, put to videotape and, um, there was a budget thing. It, eventually CMS is trying to cut corners or like we could shoot this on video as opposed to film. Um, and they, it, when it all kind of came out in the wash, the video episodes didn't cost that much less than the filmed ones. So they stopped thankfully. But I think that's the one thing that really holds back the Night of the Meek, the original one, is that it's shot on video. Um, not that I, I mean, like I said, I adore it, but I just, I wish that we would have got a shot on film. I think that would have been, and in that case, I think it would still be talked about a lot, a lot more favorably than what it was. But anyway, the origin of the story. Uh, this is according to Sterling. Um, I generally deal with people who are underdogs. Sterling explained to columnist Stephen uh, Strom, uh, social underdogs, professional underdogs, political underdogs. I've been fortunate in TV utilizing this theme, but the stage or the novels by far the most legitimate area for this kind of telling. I got the idea uh, for this one watching a Santa Claus parade with my two kids a year ago and noticed that uh, on the Santa Claus float, the worthy gentleman chosen for the role must have been a last minute and least third string replacement. Uh, Sterling explained uh, to a columnist for TV Guide. He weighed just a few pounds more than Slim Somerville. I don't know who that is, but if Slim's the first name, probably a thin dude. Um, and his Santa Claus suit must have been dredged out of a, a canal someplace. Uh, it suddenly came to me that perhaps there's a story lurking somewhere in this whole concept of these guys who play Santa Claus for a living. And then I started to conceive of a tale of what would happen to an uh, Erstaz Chris Kringle if he suddenly found that he was Santa Claus. I just, the poor wet fish of a Santa Claus he saw, I don't know what happened there, but yeah, he saw a hobo clause and was like, yeah, but what if that guy was really Santa Claus? And he found out later. So I thought that was a funny little, little story about his, uh, his thought process for writing this. That's really interesting. I, I, I think that, uh, some people took notes from the original episode and went the wrong direction with bad Santa Claus. I've not so. seen, I've not seen bad Santa. I think I'm, I think I'm okay. Some you should be okay. It's garbage. Yeah. I, I, if anybody enjoys that film, I'm sorry, but it's trash, and it, <laughs> that's not the oh. that's not the direction that we need to go. Look at look at those Christmas one. hot takes coming out there. Um, you know, but it's trash. Th- so <laughs> it's because uh, because was raised in like um I like um like a Jewish household, right? But his birthday is Christmas, so you mm-hmm. know he has to have a little bit of not complicated, but um a more nuanced view of the holiday, right? So. Um, I think he was still, uh, more hopeful for everything. Um, so yeah, I think also like, you know, credit, credit to, um, uh, was it Rockney O'Bannon or S Rockney O'Bannon for still getting that beating heart, um, getting this right. So yeah, I think this is a worthy update and it's, it's really good. And Richard Mulligan does a good job and William Atherton does a good job. Why not put it in your holiday rotation? Because I mean, it's sweet, but it's not saccharine. I think that I think that's what you're talking about sometimes with some of the Christmas stuff. It's like it, you have to like it. Why? Because it's nice bullshit. Yeah, like I I could see this in in a heavier rotation every year, yeah. especially as uh, far as like um, episodes of a lot of shows that we like. I mean. You know, you talk about the married with children Christmas episodes. It's going to be fit right in there. The um, the update 
uh, the tales from the cryptid through all uh, all through the night. Yeah, we talked like, about that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I, I I like the darker side, but I like mixing it up with some kind of like lighthearted spin too. Like I think Christmas Vacation fits right in mode with this because there's like some dark to it, but then a little bit of sweet. Too, yeah. So. No, Christmas Vacation is um, like like I like. So I'm not a big holiday guy, but that's one of my favorites. Um, uh, there's another film that I won't name that just frustrates you, so I'm not going to get into that. Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> if you're talking about Tree Venge, then you know that. No, Tree Venge is great. Tree Venge is amazing. <laughs> everybody, everybody, stop what you're doing right now. We're almost done with the episode. Watch Tree Venge. It's about like Tree 15 Venge. minutes. Tree Venge is amazing. I love Tree Venge. Um, that is, my that wife is, hates Tree Venge, but it's a, it's what? a new uh, holiday tradition. Oh, Tree Venge is so much fun. Anyway, <laughs> I know. <yeah. laughs> Apparently, there's another like revenge tree movie coming out soon. I don't, it's not called true Venge, So I don't, there was, there was a film in like the late eighties, early nineties called the crawlers. It's about uh mutant tree roots. So go, you know, whatever. Anyway, isn't that like uh, isn't that Irish? Isn't no, that Irish? that's well, no, no, that you're, no, that's grabbers. That's you think it would be later, but there was one definitely called the, uh, the crawlers of the crawlers that yeah. I like the idea. It's mutant tree roots, not mutant trees, mutant tree roots. But, um, mm. but yeah, if there's, um, if there's another killer Christmas tree movie out there, I'm completely all about that. That's a lot of fun. But, um, but anyway, uh, so no, like, uh, yeah, this is good in the rotation. I would also throw out uh, seasons of belief from tales from the dark side, of the series. That's a fun one. Uh, nice. We've talked about that previously on the series here. Um, yeah, well, but we have two more, we have two more holiday segments to get to before we finish this out. So I'm sure we'll have other recommendations as we go along. So yeah, um, we're just yeah. priming you folks. Yeah. Like I, you know, get these into your rotation. If you're listening to this now, maybe you've never seen this or never seen the, the original episode. Absolutely. Yeah. Go check it out. Be, yeah. Like, please check those out and, uh, you know, get those into, get their into your like, uh, viewing, show your kids, right. Get them excited. You know, and then yeah. bring them down with tree bench. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, so, all right. Uh, any other notes where we get to that twist? Nah, dude, let's go. All right. All right. Twist rating as always is one saw from a mile away and five being mind blowing. Um, since this is an update, um, I, like for me, the t- like it was an obvious twist, but it is, I'm going to give it a one. That's not indicative of the episode. It's just that it follow it follows the same arc, and it's a good arc, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, there really isn't something that I learned um, from this one that would have changed the game completely from the original episode. So it's going to be a one, but enjoyable. Uh, I think both episodes are very enjoyable, but I like the little. Uh, little things that they changed in this one. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I, this one, it, uh, for me, at least it, it takes a little bit of the, it, it, it's, it edges out the original episode. Fair enough. I mean, you're wrong, but I'm kidding. No, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I can see why. And I, I think a lot of people probably going to agree with you more so than me. And I, that's fine. Like that, that, that tells you that like, that you're not like someone's like it ruined my childhood or whatever. Like it's just, but, well, the, yeah. the, honestly, this idea could be updated every single like 10 years or 15, 20 years. And then we could, we can find something to kind of in, yeah. uh, invoke into like what the storyline is like, you know, I, I, I like this. The presentation was a little bit better, I think. Um, but you know, 
to each their own and had, had a little higher know. budget. And it wasn't shot on video, even though it does like, there's something about like the stuff, like from what we know is that it was shot on film and then like converted. And it's like, it still looks a little, little not perfect, but better than I will agree with you on that completely. So, um, so yeah, that's going to do it for our discussion about night of the meek. Um, you guys can find us on uh, Facebook at strange highways. You can email us directly at strange highways, podcast, gmail.com, wherever you find your podcast rate and reviews would be greatly appreciated. And, uh, uh, Terry, where can people find us otherwise? We're on Instagram, folks. We're still having some fun over there. I'm getting a little bit more on track lately. Um, we're having some likes and we're having some follows, which is which is fun. Uh, we just got over 100 follows, uh, which is wonderful. I mean, I'm glad it's people are actually paying attention to us on a on a social media site that is solely based on pictures. So <laughs> yeah. you can't you can't hear our, our podcast on there, but that's a, it's a wonderful thing. And uh, you know, I, I I want people to reach out to us and let us know maybe which one you prefer. Do you prefer the original, uh, the Night of the Meek, or Night of the Meek, the uh, the remake in nineteen eighty five. And, and so also let us know, let us know. You're, if you were around uh, in eighty five for Christmas. Like, let us know what your Christmas hopes were at that time. I want. I'm really curious about what people wanted for Christmas. Whether that was a cloppy horse or a motorcycle or a mini pool table, let us know what you wanted. Yeah, and I, I I'm just I'm excited to hear what everybody's uh, Christmas gifts. We're like, like I want, I want to know that now. Like that is like my. It's fun. Yeah, please. Yeah, that's the importance to me now. Like, let me know what you want, so I can not give it to you either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let me know what you wanted, so you can't get it a second time. Well, that's what we. Right. <laughs> I wanted my parents to stay together. Well, it didn't happen then. I'm sorry. I don't have to. Oh. oh. Anyway, all right. So that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, let's just talk about what we're doing next. And now. Mr. Serling. So next episode is going to be uh, season one, uh, episode 13, segment B. And it's called, But Can She Type? Question mark. Um, there's going to be a, a couple recognizable faces to this. I kind of had to look ahead because I was doing some notes. Um, don't know what this is, but it's going to be another holiday-related one. So we'll continue on with the holiday talk. We'll get more into our JCPenney catalog. And hopefully people will share with us some of their uh, 80, 85 Christmas ones. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, please engage with us, guys. Uh, this is going to be a really fun uh, part of the year now where we're going to be a little bit more creative. And uh, we hope that you kind of like reach out to us and let us know some of these questions that we've been asking uh, the answers of. You yeah, know? absolutely. So uh, that's going to do it for a discussion about Night of the Meek. Everybody have a good week. Have a safe week. And then I guess in the meantime, the two most important words for me are Christmas Glaive. You better watch out. You better not cry. I'm going to tell you why. I think Santa's wasted.